<sighs> okay, here we go. Do you have a morning movement routine that you do every single day? Don't think you need one? Well, author, podcaster, and former professional triathlete Brad Kearns joins me to give you 10 reasons a morning exercise routine will change your life. Welcome to Second Wind Fitness. My name is Brock Armstrong. But before we get started. As you've probably noticed, this podcast is no longer in production, but there are so many people who are still listening to each episode and reaching out to me for advice and help and support that I've decided to keep the dream and this podcast alive, which means I'm paying a few maintenance fees out of my pocket. And I don't mean to make this sound like a woe is me kind of affair, because it is indeed a pleasure to have created something that is being appreciated. But... If you felt so inclined, you could go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee to, yes, as it sounds, buy me a virtual coffee. And since coffee is easily my biggest vice, I'm what you would call a coffee snob, if you buy me a coffee, I can pay my hosting fees with all the coffee money that I save. So win-win situation here. So go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee and help keep this podcast and my fancy coffee habit alive. That's brockarmstrong.com slash coffee. So I've only ever had two people return to the podcast. And I don't know if this says something about me or something about them, but you and Monica Reinagel are the only two people who have been two-time guests on the Second Wind Fitness podcast. And uh, well, Monica is a, my business partner. We run the Wayless program together and we have the Change Academy podcast and stuff together. But you and I have known each other for quite a long time now, and we have a lot of similarities in our lives. We both are in our 50s. We both don't look like it. We well, yeah. I, I think we can we can own that. I feel comfortable saying that. We both have some lofty fitness goals, but also have a real focus on maintaining that durability and resilience and stuff that comes along with with being someone who really enjoys moving their body and and taking care of themselves. And it turns out that we both have a love for morning routines. Now, there's no uh, no secret with anybody who's been following me for a while that I have this morning routine that I've been tweaking over the last few years. I've shared it on my YouTube channel a couple of times, but Brad has taken this idea to the next level and actually created a course with eBooks and videos and audios and all kinds of great stuff to to help you guys, the listeners, develop your own morning routine and. I thought it'd be really fun. Brad has been releasing this little graphic every probably every week or so on Instagram where you're knocking off other reasons why a morning routine is really valuable. I thought it'd be really fun to go through all of those reasons. So spoiler for anybody who's following Brad on Instagram, we're going to reveal the last few, even though they haven't been officially revealed. But first, I just wanted to to hear like right from you what what was your motivation to like, I know you enjoy moving and stuff and you, you enjoy doing this for yourself, but why did you want to share this with, with the world? Oh my gosh, what a great intro Brock and an honor to be on for the second time. I, I can't believe it. So here we are for the second time on the second wind. How fun. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. This morning routine, I started in somewhere around, um, 
early 2017. So I'm, I'm counting like a five and a half year streak mm. and I haven't missed a single day. And I cannot believe that I'm the guy uh, touting this consistency and this streak because in general terms, I'm pretty freewheeling person, right? I, I took the the Gretchen Rubin personality quiz, and I, I'm the rebel tendency. Mm. I answer, you know, I answer to nothing. I just go with the flow. I'm self-employed for decades, and when I was an athlete, I was uh, very intuitive as a trainer. And um, uh, but here I am doing the same exact thing <laughs> every single morning, and that's why it's been so life changing. And that's why I got so excited about, you know, I got to share this. And this is kind of like my my legacy to the planet to say, hey, even this guy who goes with the flow every day um, can lock into something that has a tremendous. Well, we have ten that we're going to talk about, but tremendous and and varied benefits to not only your fitness. Uh, but your everyday life and your mentality. And so that was my original inspiration was I was doing it myself every day. And it was, you know, it was piling up these benefits, noticing how my life was changing. And uh, I, I put everything together for this wonderful course, which I'm sure you'll link in the show notes. Uh, but I also should uh, mention my original motivation for starting a morning exercise routine. Uh, and I'm going to say that fitness is not a weak spot in my lifestyle, right, Brock? I mean, I'm, I, I, it's not one of the needs to improve areas. I need to manage my uh, my discretionary spending much better. But fitness has always been something I snap my fingers and it's been a part of my life. I was a professional athlete for nine years and, you know, continue to, to lead a fitness lifestyle. But this was uh, distinctly different from the various workouts and training patterns and athletic goals that I've pursued over my entire adult life. And so the original inspiration for setting up something first thing in the morning was because I realized I was getting beat up by my premium workouts of the week, which I'm in, I'm enjoying sprinting and high jumping these days. And so, you know, once a week or so, I would go out to the track and I'd get psyched and I'd feel good and I'd warm up and I'd bust out some sprints or I'd practice the approach to the high jump and I'd finish the workout. And over the ensuing days, I would notice that I'd really beat up my hamstrings, my hip flexors, my, my jaw would get sore from uh, <laughs> jumping over the high jump bar and, and dipping oh, the chin back. And so I realized that nothing approximated the stress of my highest priority, most difficult workouts of the week. So on the other days, I was, hey, lifting weights in the gym, I was jogging, I was doing uh, whatever, uh, a bicycle ride, and that's all fine and dandy, but then I'm going and blasting these sprints. And so what I wanted to do was to do a little bit of um, greasing the groove or whatever you want to call it, where I just gave a little bit of fitness stimulation to approximate the challenge of what I would do on these uh, devoted high-intensity workouts. And that would be, let's say, you know, hamstring flexibility and mobility and the things that you see as a course of my routine. You do that for a minute or two every single day, 365 days a year. What you are doing, and this might be one of the numbered lists that we're cutting into, but you're elevating the fitness platform from which you launch all formal workouts and endeavors. Yeah, uh, very similar to you. The reason that I started doing my morning routine was more was actually in response to those aches and pains that I was starting to feel. It's like, okay, well, I always wake up with a bit of a stiff neck and mm. my right ankle is giving me trouble. I had a little bit of plantar fasciitis. I know I'm like my ballet career was mostly ended because of a hip injury and it flares up every once in a while. So I started to develop a routine that would address sort of those problem areas. And like you said, grease the groove, get the synovial fluid a little bit lubricated up, get things moving and 
my goal was to keep it contained within the amount of time that it takes the coffee to brew. Basically, <laughs> so like, how can I make all of these parts of my body a little more limber, a little more ready for the day, a little less painful while the coffee is brewing? So I had no excuse to skip the the routine, and it really does sort of take on a life of its own, doesn't it? Like you get doing that kind of stuff. And and especially for people like us who really enjoy moving and even people who don't think they enjoy moving, bodies in motion love to stay in motion. And I think mm. actually this will cut into one of, your, uh, one of your points as well, but I think that is such a valuable thing to do as soon as we wake up. It's like not just plop down in a chair, but get the, get the body moving. And then in my case, have my, my cup of coffee. Your cup of coffee uh, represents a reward for completing the routine. And the same for me, like I don't eat or drink anything uh, before I, until I finish. And so even a mere act of, uh, you know, hydrating, where we all know from fitness experts that you should uh, hydrate when you wake up and have some uh, apple cider vinegar, some lemon water, some lemon juice, yeah. right? All that stuff if you want to be a real peak performer. And so um, then I'll go and uh, enjoy, you know, uh, uh, some fruit and make a big smoothie and um, kind of start my day in celebration, really, because uh, there I did uh, knocking it off once again. And, you know, at this point, you know, people ask me, like, how do you motivate yourself to do that every single day? And my answer is it's transcended that uh, right. position of whether I need to motivate myself or not, or whether I need to ask myself, um, you know, how I'm feeling or negotiate with myself and all those things that we do, even the most uh, driven and disciplined amongst us, you know, we don't always feel like opening up our laptop and answering more emails. We'd rather be yeah. uh, looking out the balcony and, and playing Frisbee. Uh, but when you when you're able to transcend that and land something in the category of habit, that's when this real magic is experienced. And I, I personally experienced it and it hasn't happened in too many examples in my entire life. I mean, it's just really hard to become, uh, let's say someone who's inactive into a fit person. And it, you know, that's your life's work is, is dispensing this information about how to, how to, you know, get a more active fit lifestyle. Uh, but when you can make this leap, it kind of feels like, I guess we could all relate to that simple example of brushing your teeth where most yeah. of us, hopefully most of us listening, hopefully, us. <laughs> uh, have tooth brushing in the habit category. Uh, but James Clear, number one best-selling book right now called, um, T atomic habits. He provides this example of if you're, if you're deficient at flossing and your dentist is scolding you at, at your checkup and you need to floss every day and da, 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 he says, uh, set the commitment to floss a single tooth which is such a ridiculous notion, yeah. but he's dead serious saying, look, we need to start slow and have these low entry barriers to where you can form a habit and progress and build momentum and, and leverage the, um, the streak of flossing one tooth for seven days in a row. And then guess what? Pretty much you're going to do your whole mouth if you go to the trouble to pull a string out and cut it on the scissor thing and go to town. And I feel like the morning routine is in that same category for me where um, now I can't imagine not having a day go by, whereas before it was sort of, you know, you, you build and build and you're, you're patting yourself on the back every day that you have this streak going. And now it's kind of like, I, I don't need to pat myself on the back like it's this big thing, like I did at first, perhaps, 
it just it's it's in the category of non-judgmental. So I don't judge it as super awesome and I'm a badass because I've I've, I've knocked out another awesome morning routine day. Nor do I uh, allow myself to negotiate like oh, I don't feel like a day. My legs are sore from yesterday. All those kind of things, which I think a, a workout or a session at the gym, you know, you kind of put into that different category. I don't even think of it as habit at this point. Like it's it's sort of like you said, it's transcended so many things it's transcended habit because it is it's just what we do or just what like i don't have to generate any sort of motivation or momentum or anything because it's a given that on any day i will do some sort of i'll do my morning activity but also do mm. some sort of workout or some sort of like a fun bike ride yesterday or i went down to the beach and i did only 500 meters but i i did a proper swim this morning down at the beach and it's not a matter of <laughs> not even habit. Like it's, it's not motivation. It's not willpower. It's not even habit. It's just, it's what I do. It's my identity. It's part of who I am. And I don't mean to make that sound like high and mighty and like I've become this person that everyone should strive mm -hmm. to become. I think everybody can, can strive to become it. And in fact, there's a, a really interesting book while we're bringing up books. I think atomic habits is a, is a wonderful book. There's a book by Pilar, Oh, I'm going to say her last name, Jeremiso, I think is her last name, called Healthy Deviant. <laughs> and in that book, she actually, she's got some statistics that she says the 97% of Americans, and I would guess this is probably extends to North Americans, don't do the, the absolute basic things that we can do to look after ourselves, like eating a, a reasonable diet and sleeping properly, um, yeah, I think sleeping was the the first thing, the healthy diet and getting the basic movement, like the the recommended 150 minutes per week amount of movement into their day. 97% of people don't do that. So when you do do that, you're actually a deviant. Like you're actually you're like, <laughs> you're, you're like, and she chose that word very specifically because we look at a deviant as being like a sexual deviant or a, mm -hmm. a predator or something like that. Like it's actually frowned upon and we actually have vilified people who do these kinds of things. They're the, the weirdos and the oddballs and, and, and the, the deviants out there. So I think by doing this type of thing and getting yourself into this type of routine where you just are the person who craves it and does it out of out of response and out of habit maybe we can turn that on its head maybe we can uh, can un undeviantify our healthy behaviors yeah one step at a time that's great and it is kind of um sobering to realize how uh, how firmly you have to break away from the cultural momentum toward um, disease and demise and dysfunction and accelerated aging and it makes me sad. We were talking before we hit record about, you know, now that we're in our 50s, um, we're, we're reaching the time where um, the stories are coming out in life and our peers that we grew up with or, you know, the old classic high school reunion when um, you go and, and see how, you know, the, the effects of uh, lifestyle behaviors can can really start to take hold. And it's kind of scary to me because, um, you know, we're all we've all been touched so much by uh, disease and demise and especially uh, conditions of cognitive decline that are escalating at a, an alarming rate these days. And there's a lot of lifestyle related reasons for uh, a lot of the a lot of the pain and suffering that we bring upon ourselves. And I don't, I don't want any part of that. And I want to stand 
uh, you know, against it and promote a, a different way of going. Uh, but without, you know, really um, an incredibly strong impetus, we are going to get sucked into the vortex of mobile devices and nonstop distraction and digital entertainment to the extent that we don't have to do anything uh, physical or, uh, you know, we continue to get life easier and more comfortable and more indulgent. Um, another stat, since you hit, hit that 97% mark, I think it's, um, yeah, it's 80, 86% of the time, this is a British survey, we spend indoors and another 7% inside a vehicle. So that's 93% of the time we are in a temperature controlled environment where we're not even experiencing the, <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the temperature of our, of our outside. Uh, there's no, no reason to complain that you live in uh, Manitoba or Saskatchewan <laughs> or, uh, or Norway because everything's 72 Fahrenheit. And you, you and I are both fans of cold exposure. I, I loved your um, episode about why do I swim in cold water? And, you know, it's becoming popular to a, probably a 3% slice of the pie where everyone else is going, you guys are crazy. What the heck are you doing there? Uh, but by breaking free from some of that uh, indulgence, decadence, luxury, that's when we reawaken our human spirit and allow ourselves to become strong, resilient, age gracefully, rather than just slide down the slippery slope, which is the the, the norm today. When I go into the, the cold ocean in, in March on Vancouver Island here, I, I think of my Irish and and Ukrainian ancestors coming at the turn of the century to Saskatchewan of all places <laughs> and and homesteading and their life was cold exposure that's <laughs> it's not just going for a swim for 10 minutes it was like 24/7 <laughs> maybe not 365 but 300 mm. and some days mm. of the year it was pretty darn cold and man they were they were some tough and and resilient individuals and but anyway, we're yeah. getting away from uh, from what I was uh, hoping to talk to about today. We've sort of, I think we've danced around it long mm -hmm. enough. So you have developed this, let's say, ultimate morning exercise routine. And I'm going to read from the website here. It's a comprehensive online multimedia educational course with all the tools and guidance you need to implement a custom designed morning exercise routine scalable to all fitness levels and time availability improve your fitness focus and discipline all day. That's quite a promise, but I really think there are some really interesting key things here. And one is the custom designed morning exercise routine, because we both believe that the one size fits all is not working for people. Downloading the workouts of your favorite, <laughs> don't get Steph Curry's workout plan and try <laughs> to follow it or Michael Phelps or anybody else. It, you have to work from where your life is and the scalable to all fitness levels and time availability. And that's something we, I think you probably hear all the time as well, because most of my listeners are 40 and over. A lot of them say, well, I can't, I can't do that. Like that's, it's going to be too hard for me or right? high intensity interval training. I shouldn't, I can't do high intensity, but it's scalable. Like that's the, really the, the name of the game. The number one thing I must emphasize when talking about this wonderful Brad morning routine, and here's a picture of a, a fitness guy showing you these crazy things, and some of it is quite advanced, and you know, it, you might get turned off right away, saying, "Okay, good for him." You know, he's he's an old time athlete, and uh, I have uh, screaming kids in the morning that have to get out to the carpool by eight thirty a.m. and what have you, and so 
it's the commitment to doing something for yourself and being proactive as soon as you wake up. And there is a lot of magic to doing it right away first thing in the morning in terms of habit forming and also the circadian benefits of getting the blood flowing and the oxygen delivering through the muscles and moving those joints and all that after you've been uh, down in bed for uh, the whole night. Uh, But again, if you only want to uh, commit to five minutes and flossing that one tooth example, that is a absolutely outstanding and very powerful uh, start to turning your life around. And it's totally uh, laudable and, and something to celebrate. However, uh, you need to make the commitment and you need to uh, put stakes on it and have it mean something to you and have your word mean something to you to where you, you, you slam your hand on the, on the table and say, gosh, darn it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to start right now. And it's going to be a baby step forward to turning things around in my life. And that's um, where you set yourself up for success rather than this very, very common spiral where we overly, we set overly ambitious goals. Yeah. Um, we get a little burst of, oh, oh, here comes that bad word again, motivation. <laughs> and we carry on for three weeks or four weeks or seven weeks or 12 weeks. And then we lose our here comes the bad word motivation again, and it's over. It, it vanishes because we haven't transcended this kind of um, artificially pumped up uh, rationale rather than something that's reasonable and sustainable. Um, Dr. Jennifer Heiss, the author of Move Your Body, Heal Your Mind, when when she was on the podcast, we decided we were going to make t-shirts that said, something is better than nothing, because that's really the the name of the game in so many ways. I, she was speaking specifically in in moving your body to, she was speaking of it mm-hmm. purely from a, from not psychological but from a, a brain health point of view. But I think it's it's absolutely true for everything. We we always think that we need to do something like if I'm doing nothing right now. I need to sign up for a marathon. That was the thing that I was hired for so many times. People be like, "Okay, I I got to get in shape, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for this marathon in six months and train for a marathon." And <laughs> like, no, just something, something is better than just go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. Do do a five minute morning routine that will get you so much more benefit. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame the, uh, I have to blame the fitness industry here. And it's an important point for everyone to embrace that we've been brainwashed and we've been heavily marketed with a, a pounding club over our head for, for decades that the path to fitness is to struggle and suffer. And the role models that are presented uh, in the commercial imagery, and you see the the Peloton girl with the six pack and the sweaty face, and uh, she's sprinting at the end of the workout and high fiving the uh, the person on the screen. And you know this is um, this is the ideal that we've been presented, rather than just that everyday person that gets up and goes for a walk and you know, maybe challenges themselves if they're inclined. And that would be great if you you do push yourself out of your comfort zone. But first, establishing a comfort zone that includes general baseline activity before, you know, aspiring to uh, to great heights. Absolutely. Okay, let's take a quick break to go and pay our membership fees, and then we'll get into our 10 reasons a morning exercise routine will change your life. Do you like to shop on Amazon.com and enjoy supporting this podcast? You do? Well, have I got a deal for you. If you start your Amazon shopping adventure by going to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon, 
I will get a small percentage of the money that you spend. And the best part is that you don't pay anything extra. This all comes out of their pockets. Take that, Bezos. So next time you buy anything on Amazon, go to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon and shop while also supporting this podcast. I truly thank you for being a listener and for your support. That's brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon. All right, let's get into the 10 reasons, starting with number one, which is improve focus and discipline. Now, we, we already brought up percentages, but uh, <laughs> I think you've, you've mentioned this before on, on this podcast too, about 84% of Americans start their day by reaching for a mobile device. That's a big number. And that's before they even get out of bed, isn't it? Like that's uh, a half of that number are reaching for the phone within reach of their bed. And the other half, I, apparently, are getting up. Uh, but clearly, this is a global uh, phenomenon. So I, I'm sure it would apply to any uh, developed uh, society that you know has the mobile technology. And behavior psychologists uh, assert that this is a horrible thing to do to your brain first thing in the morning because you are locked into, uh, you, you are shuttered into a fight or flight reactive mode right away. Um, one psychologist by the name of uh, Nicole Benders Hadi says, as soon as you uh, flip into that reactive mode where you're reacting to the stimuli, um, you will never recover. And so it's very difficult to extricate from that to what we might desire for most in the morning, which would be that high level thinking, reasoning, mindfulness, uh, gratitude, uh, looking at the sun, reflecting on uh, the many facets of your life, and maybe even starting to formulate a to-do list and a strategy for the day. But instead, we're looking at text messages and social media feeds. And that's so compelling. And it, it, it floods the dopamine pathways of the brain that it crowds out your potential to start your day in a proactive manner and be strategic and disciplined and focused and all those things. So if you can withstand that momentum from reaching for the phone. And I, I, you know, I mentioned that I don't drink even so much as drink water or have a snack before, uh, before I'm done with my routine. And I certainly am not, uh, reaching for the phone. And, um, that's, you know, all these things, if you can stack those things together and, you know, give yourself some consequences and also perhaps let's admit it's a bit of a reward. So if you can do your, your routine, then you can go enjoy your sip of coffee. Or if you enjoy reaching for your phone in the morning, um, you can do that after it'll, everybody will, will wait for you. I promise. It'll definitely wait. Yeah. Um, doc, Dr. Alessandra Wall, um, one time just put it so well, it resonated so, so well with me. And I don't know if this was her saying or not. She was the one I heard it from to check in with yourself before you check in with the world. <laughs> And I look at the my my exercise routine, my movement routine in the morning is the perfect way to check in with myself because it is it is completely internal. I'm feeling the muscles, I'm feeling the the tendons, I'm energizing the the ligaments. I'm I'm completely focused on my connection between my brain and my body. And of course, your your brain strays a little bit while you're doing that. I'm not just focusing on how does my ankle feel. I'm starting to think about what I'm going to do when this is over, or what I'm going to do in the evening, what I'm going to have for dinner. But you're still checking in with yourself before you're checking in with the the rest of the world. And that is just, I loved the way she put that because it really, mm. it gave me that moment. If I do feel like I'm going to grab my phone or if I do feel like I'm... Mm 
going to get out of my my own space. And I, just that moment of wait, no, check in with yourself. Yeah, and here's the thing too. Um, those of us anywhere near our age group have this reference point of life before uh, hyperconnectivity, internet, yeah. mobile devices. And so this was all natural and automatic. And it has been for humans throughout history uh, until whatever, the last 15 or 20 years or something, where now we have this potential to override our basic human instincts to wake up with a clear head and a reflective mindset. And instead, now we can become entertained immediately. And so it really does take a lot of um, awareness and some discipline to redirect that tendency and that inclination to indulge in instant gratification. That's what makes us human. It's not, you know, it's not a, um, it's not something that um, we can, we should, you know, scorn. It's just natural and it's just who we are. Uh, but the more you can kind of stack up, uh, you know, rocks in a, uh, leading to a different path and, and build in things like a commitment to a five minute morning routine, that's when you can extricate yourself from this pull, this constant pull of digital stimulation in, in one example. And of course, there's other pulls too that uh, will lead us off our best laid plans and into um, decadence, indulgence, consumerism, uh, all the things that, um, you know, all the windows that are open on our screen for shopping for uh, the, the sale at the, at the outlet instead of uh, completing the important proposal that's on deadline and so forth. Yeah, the, the gorilla in the arcade, that's the, the analogy that, uh, that they oh, use yeah. in the Healthy Deviant book. <laughs> all right, so improve focus and discipline. So, okay, so number two is a natural energy boost. It probably doesn't need to be explained, but... Well, there's a lot of hormonal processes going on when we wake up. Um, the, the best time to wake up for the human is near sunrise because then we can leverage these natural uh, changes in hormonal function. We get the suppression of melatonin in, in favor of an increase in serotonin. We get a natural spike in cortisol that's aligned with the rising sun, and we get a suppression of adenosine. That's the, the neurotransmitter that, that coffee works on. So what coffee does is blocks adenosine to make you feel alert. It's not that drinking caffeine gives you uh, an alertness drug. It's, it's acting upon our own natural neurotransmitters to, to make you feel alert, which otherwise would uh, naturally occur if you did something like go out and uh, move your body in direct sunlight first thing in the morning. So I do this routine uh, all the time outdoors and getting exposed to direct sunlight. When I say direct sunlight, I'm not talking about sunshiny day in Phoenix, yeah. Arizona, because if you're in Trondheim, Norway, and you don't see the sun much, you are getting uh, direct sun's rays, even on an overcast day is powerful enough to trigger these natural hormonal processes. So what you're doing is leveraging it by moving physically. And if you're just uh, committing to, let's say your morning routine is to leash up the dog and walk around the block, that is outstanding because you're hitting all these bases of outdoor physical exercise, uh, whether it's cold, whether it's warm, um, it's, it could be turned into a cold exposure event. And a lot of times it does for me when I'm in Lake Tahoe. And if it's uh, not snowing, I'll be uh, out there in the open air. And if it is an adverse weather condition, what I do is I open up the slider in the kitchen mm -hmm. and I put my exercise mat right there at the open door, even if it's 32 degrees or whatever. If it's minus 20, of course, you're going to get a free pass. But um, I'm trying as hard as I can to include 
um, solar exposure to the eyeballs while I'm doing this exercise routine. And then literally better than coffee, because when coffee blocks adenosine to make you feel alert, it also interferes with that natural cortisol spike. Um, that's why Dr. Huberman says, if you're going to drink coffee in the morning, drink it an hour after you wake up yeah. because the first time when you, your initial awakening, the sun is doing its thing, your circadian rhythm, it's doing its thing and then allow caffeine to work its magic an hour later. Uh, so it's not kind of at, at cross purposes. I'm working on that. I've heard him reference that a few times now, and it makes a lot of sense. It's one of those that my morning routine has been built, like I said, has been built around the coffee maker. <laughs> so unfortunately, I've like developed this more than a habit uh, based on on having that cup of coffee right after. So I'm, I'm still working on making some minor changes to try to push that that coffee a little bit later. But I think the thing that is really achievable and that I've been able to, to implement really quickly is just getting some sort of outdoor exposure. Mm. And it really is just getting out from behind the windows. Right. The windows, uh, the, the automobile, the, the, the subway window is going to, uh, you know, largely block any of these intended benefits. So it really is serious to get, get out there and expose yourself to open light. But I think when we talk about natural energy boost, that's the title of number two that we're on, um, even more profound is the moving of the physical body after being in bed for mm. however many hours. And you really do. Uh, I, I must admit that there are many days when I start this thing and I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling wide awake yet. I'm, I'm not feeling like I did when I was 27 since I'm 57 now. Uh, but as soon as I get into the sequence, I start to build energy naturally without without thinking about it and without uh, worrying about it. And so as long as I can hit the deck and get started, things are going to take care of itself. And I, I do have a feeling like when you accumulate these positive habits, just like when you get in shape from being out of shape, um, the effects are lasting and, and strengthening over time so that now um, when I'm finished with this thing, I feel great every single time. And I have more energy and more consistent levels of energy, I think, throughout the day, just from starting my day appropriately. And of course, I'm sure there's science to reference that, but um, a little goes a long way. Because again, if you're only going for 12 minutes or 20 minutes or five minutes, it might not be earth shattering how it affects your energy levels throughout the day. But I will contend that um, it does make a big difference. And it puts you, I think you said this earlier, it puts you into that mindset of being a healthy, active human. So those people that are out there doing something first thing in the morning, again, that magic of uh, wiring the brain first thing in the morning when you're a clean slate and you can get out of that, uh, all the other temptations we have, you might be more inclined to leash up that dog in the evening yeah. for another walk around the block because it's enjoyable and it's part of your life. And it spills into other areas of life too, like choosing the salad instead of the French fries and things because you're you're embodying that identity of being somebody who looks after their their body. And I just wanted to to add in there too. Yeah, when sometimes when I start my routine in the morning, like I have body weight squats that are pretty early in the in the routine as part of the warm up. And some days, yeah, I can bust out those squats. I'm getting below 90 degrees right off the bat. And other times it's like a 10 degree movement and it's like, oh, oh dear. Okay. And it takes me 12 or 15 of them to actually get to a decent squat, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like that is where you are on that day. And you can't let that discourage you because it is going to give you that boost regardless of, of what your ability is that day. 
Yeah, good point. I, and, and this is not on the list, so I'm going to have to jump in. It's really important that the degree of difficulty of your own personal routine is recommended to be medium. Maybe some of those things in there are medium slash difficult, but we want it to be under that, uh, safely under that radar, like from that new Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun, where they're learning to fly under the radar. Um, that's really, really important point. Because again, first thing in the morning, not the greatest time to exercise. I had you review my my sequences and you said, you know, maybe this should come before this, Brad, because that one's pretty gnarly. And again, people are just waking up. And so um, when you're designing the exercises, let's say you're taking my course and you're looking at all the options and what works for you and what's appealing, everything should be right there at medium. And if that means five reps, instead of Brad showing you 25 to 30 reps, that's great because um, that's how you're going to build um, fitness gracefully mm. and steadily over time rather than getting yourself knocked out. Now, here's the super cool thing. Um, I haven't shared my routine in, in real time. You know, I haven't done it with other people uh, very frequently, but I, I, I brought it to my super fit friend. He goes, okay, show me your stuff. Let's do it right now. I'll do it with you. I'm like, okay, here we go. And he got knocked out, man, early on. <laughs> He's like, this is brutal. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not for me. But guess what? I do it every single day. Right. And it was a revelation to think, you know what? It probably is pretty hard if you were to just do it out of the gate. And when I do other people's cool stuff, like my surfer friend, he goes, oh, here's what I do before I paddle out. And I'm like, wow, man, that was strenuous. <laughs> He's like, no, it's nothing. You just do this, you do this, you do this. And so you're going to get good at whatever you put into your routine and repeat every single day. And that's a really wonderful sensation to say, hey, I'm still at medium difficulty but it's turning into a pretty a badass exercise. And if you do those deep squats every day and, and uh, you know, start to become competent at them, it's not going to be much trouble. And that's when, um, you know, you're, you're not, you, you never want to hit that point where you dread the upcoming exercises first thing in the morning. That's a sign yeah. that you started out with too much uh, bravado and you need to just tone it down a little bit and take your reps down from 20 to 10. And so always floating in that medium zone. And of course, as you get fitter, guess what? It's going to get uh, more badass, but we want that to always happen naturally. Right. You need to always believe, actually not even believe, know that this is achievable, that you can do this. If you have any question in your mind that you may not be able to do this, that's where resistance comes in. That's that's a hurdle mm. between you and achieving your goal. Yeah. So we want to remove those hurdles. Um, and again, when we when I come back for podcast number three, we can talk about um, working out and deciding to go for it and pushing through those barriers of discomfort. You know, all that stuff is right. great for fitness endeavors. And if you're trying to climb to the, uh, the the top of the highest peak this summer and you're feeling crappy at hour eight and you know it's hour 10, all that stuff can, can uh, fall into place. But this is a separate and distinct fitness category, at least in, in my mind, where I'm right. not needing to tap into my competitive instinct or my my fighting spirit and channel Rocky Balboa to finish, uh, you know, the last seven reps. This is all easy breezy and just in a groove and you're in that automatic mode. And guess what, Brock, as we talked about before we hit record, this is how elite athletes operate. And we mm. fail to recognize that because we glorify the pain and suffering and the no pain, no gain. And we see these amazing performances. They're hard to relate to because when you see a guy running a 159 marathon, uh, but 
when the elites are in their in their devoted and, and seemingly grueling training programs, they're always working within their limits. They're not puking on the side of the road like we see in certain movies. Um, and so we can channel that and take that inspiration to say, I don't really need to torch myself, f- let alone on the morning routine, but especially in your workout uh, protocol. Absolutely. I was going to bring up a whole bunch of stuff, but we should keep keep going here on our list or we're never going to get through all 10 of these. So number three is habit forming. And I think we've we've touched on this, of course, but um, but do you want to explain how how this is truly the best way to, to form a habit? Right. I mean, we, we did talk about that and we have the example of flossing one tooth and then it turns into a habit. Um, what's also cool is if you're trying to uh, you know, follow that path of life improvement, you can stack desired habits onto existing habits. Mm. And so once this morning routine gets locked into habit, um, you can uh, piggyback with a cold shower at the end or a healthy, uh, prepare a healthy meal or call your grandmother because she loves to hear from you every day, but you're so busy and you haven't gotten to it. And so you can imagine um, how you become a, a more powerful, disciplined, focused person by locking things into place that are in that category of habit or whatever you want to call it, that transcending habit to be uh, just yeah. part of your essence. Uh, but the more you can do along those lines, you become, yeah, you become master of your destiny. Uh, I, I talked about Kipchoge, the marathoner. I love his quote. He's, he's one of the most quotable humans ever. He's like a philosopher right. as well as the fastest marathoner of all time. But he said, only the disciplined ones in life are free. Hmm. Otherwise, you become a slave to your moods and passions. And so you think about when you're when you're falling short and you have aspirations and you look at someone who's who's kicking ass more than you and we can do that on social media 84% of us as soon as we reach for that device in the morning and you kind of feel bad and you're down and you're wondering why you know your luck hasn't turned you can you can kind of lock into that concept where um, being more disciplined is actually the greatest source of freedom rather than a sacrifice that now I have to uh, go and do a cold exposure every morning instead of enjoy just my hot shower. It's, it's like a, it's like an access point to be a, a better person. Very uh, reminiscent of the Stoics. I think that's uh, the, the Stoic philosophers believe that that same thing that through discipline, we can really achieve happiness and, and, and freedom, which seems counterintuitive probably because mm-hmm being healthy is being a deviant. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Being, um, being a, a regular person it means shunning anything that that is hard to work on or that takes any sort of effort or that uh, uh, moves outside of our obesogenic society <laughs> where yeah. you can buy food standing in line at the, the freaking hardware store. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to a, a retired uh, Canadian triathlon great, my good friend Andrew McNaughton, and he was mm-hmm. uh, at a dinner gathering with extended family. And, you know, it was, it was buffet, whatever, there's pizza slices, and hey, you want some of this pizza? And he goes, No, I don't eat pizza. And he, he got into a conversation with someone who said, Wow, that, that's really impressive. You're so committed to health. I don't think I could make that sacrifice uh, to withstand, to, to eliminate pizza. And Andrew said, Oh, no, um, it's not a sacrifice. You're the one making the sacrifice. Yeah. Because when you eat into that pizza, wow. you are sacrificing 
uh, optimal health and vitality if we can all agree that pizza is generally a junk food with minimal nutritional offerings, right? I know they have creative pizzas with the cauliflower and the grass-fed uh, whatever on it, but I'm making the example of like a, a crappy slice of pizza or a processed treat, and someone says, boy, I could never put that out of my my life. It's too much of a sacrifice, and you flip that concept of sacrifice on its end. Wow, that's pretty heavy. That's the way I feel about donuts. I mean, the donuts that they bring to offices on Fridays to show their gratitude, it's not showing gratitude. It's like punishment because nobody thinks well after that. Nobody feels well after that. There's, it doesn't really taste that good beyond the, the instant sugar hit that ha- happens on your tongue. It's, yeah, it's not a... Yeah, it's disturbing, isn't it? It's not a reward. What's disturbing is how these things have become cultural foundations and how much of that behind that is marketing forces trying to associate uh, happy childhood memories uh, when mm-hmm. your father took you to the zoo and you got cotton candy every time and rode on the donkey and rode on the pony. Um, and now these things linger in our brain and we associate uh, family bonding with cotton candy rather than being able to extricate the consumerism part and, um, you know, enjoy a, uh, a visit without having to, uh, to serve anything sweet. Anyway, of course, getting off track like we always are, but always, but it's worth, worth saying. Yeah. The, like the memory that that person has of that cotton candy had nothing to do with the cotton candy. <laughs> That's, and we forget that all the time. And we try to, in our moments of feeling sad and feeling hard done by and feeling depressed, we go to the cotton candy wanting to rekindle the feeling that you had when your father took you to the zoo and you rode on the donkey, the love and attention that was being given to you. And we get the cheap substitute of the <laughs> cotton candy instead. And then we wonder why we don't feel better. Mm. It's because it wasn't ever about the cotton candy. It nice. Was, yeah. But anyway, okay. So let's move on to number four, which is to meet daily movement objectives. Mm. Uh, so we all know how important that is and the great leaders like our mutual friend Katie Bowman talking about uh, that nutritious movement lifestyle mm-hmm. and integrating all manner of movement into your busy day uh, for many of us who are locked into the knowledge worker category where we're sitting interacting with the screen and need to now manufacture ways to be more active. And so I think of it as just, you know, there's a quota. Everyone talks about the 10,000 steps a day quota, which uh, interestingly, if you go dig into the research, it was totally random and someone just threw it out there and it's been adopted as a cultural centerpiece. And I think it's ridiculously overambitious to ask people to do 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. And it's kind of diminishing and, and discouraging. Discouraging for sure. Yeah. You know, why don't you strive to get your 1,000 steps a day and then we'll talk about hitting 2,000 and maybe 3,000 sometime and maybe 10,000 sometime. Uh, but when you have this urgent objective as a human for our genetic expectations for health are to be in near constant movement. Um, the great modern research of the Hadza, I had a guest on my show, uh, Herman Ponser, he's the author of the book Burn, and he was talking about just um, the amazing adverse health consequences of stillness and how it promotes systemic inflammation, which is um, for those of us in the progressive health space, we know that is believed to be the root cause of Uh, virtually all disease is this inflammatory state of the human brought about by adverse lifestyle factors, including just not moving throughout the day. Um, There's research that in as little as 15 minutes of stillness, you experience a measurable decline in glucose tolerance. So you start to get uh, worse at burning fat. You start to lose cognitive ability just just from stillness. 
And so if we can take these one and two minute breaks throughout the day, and if we can start our day with movement rather than starting our day with um, sitting and uh, indulging in whatever it is, uh, staying in bed with the phone, um, boy, we're just knocking off a check mark. And again, like we talked about with walking the dog in the morning, walking the dog in the night, if you're, if you're already working on that list, it's going to be easier to fill in the list rather than being a, a novice and then, oops, my day got away from me again. And no, I didn't get a chance to work out because I was too busy at the office. And of course, I'm not making light of that. That's totally legitimate excuses where our workouts yeah. fall by the wayside. Often, I remember being a busy parent and a self-employed person, and I didn't have a chance to work out this day or that day. Coming off a, a stint on the professional triathlon circuit where all I did was work out, I got a sense <laughs> of what it's like to be in real life. But that movement objective is is urgent for everyone. And there's no excuse because so few minutes make such a profound difference. It's the, just doing a minute here and there is, again, something is better than nothing. And it really pays dividends for sure. Uh, all right, let's move on to number five, which is it elevates your fitness base for formal workouts. So I guess this gets into, we we sort of touched a little bit on this earlier, where I see the morning routine as helping me achieve my objective of being uh, resilient, durable, strong, capable human, where my formal workouts mm. actually target my goals of being a faster runner or being a stronger cyclist or being a better swimmer or bench pressing a heavier weight or something like that. So it's sort of the difference between goals and objectives in my mind. Is that what you're getting at with number five? Excellent. Yeah, that's well said. And that's how the whole thing started. The whole thing started, baby, because Brad was getting beat up by his sprint workouts. I'm like, what's going on here? How can I, I'm not going to sprint seven days a week to become a better sprinter, right? But I need to somehow build a better and more resilient body. Uh, I love that term prehab that people are using. You know, there's rehab after an injury and then there's prehab. Uh, which leads us into number six. Maybe we're going to combine number five and number six because number six is injury prevention. Oh, yeah. So if you elevate your fitness base for formal workouts, you're going to be less likely to get injured. And uh, that's where the fun of custom designing the morning routine comes in. Uh, My good friend Bobby is a golfer and he's an excellent golfer in his 60s. He just went to the Titleist Performance Institute and they gave him all these different um, drills specifically to be a better player and swing better with more um, safety to the lower back and the vulnerable areas. And so going through the sequence that's completely uh, contemplated to improve your golf swing uh, can be really fun because if you do have distinct fitness goals and I want to get my hamstrings, my calves and those those hot spots for sprinters, uh, some, some appropriate prehab exercises in the morning. Um, there's a yoga sun salute that I, uh, distinguish as an option, uh, when I'm, when I'm uh, presenting the course. And that's a great one just to, uh, get the joints moving and lubricated and, uh, you know, being better able to cope with whatever it is you're doing next, uh, lifting a, a child into a car seat and twisting and uh, closing the door and, and being, uh, elevating your fitness base for life as well as formal workouts. Um, but when you have, um, imbalances and dysfunction. And if you're a listener and you're in the younger age groups than Brock and I, believe me, you're going to get there someday where you have all these <laughs> aches and pains and tweaks. And so I go to professional physical therapy and they ask me to do an assessment. And oh my gosh, my left arch is kind of uh, collapsing uh, under, you know, under load. 
and that's the one I jump off. And so now I have to do these, um, you know, well-formulated calf raises that are distinctly going after a weakness or an imbalance. And so if you are at that level of fitness or athletic uh, experience where, you know, your shoulders get tight after swimming, you are going to do some wonderful shoulder mobility exercises every single day and address those weak spots very nicely outside of the formal workouts, which of course are going to do the same thing. Yeah. I always say, turn your fitness weaknesses into your fitness strengths. And like I said earlier, when I started this morning routine, it was because I was waking up every morning with those same aches and pains. Mm. So creating something to, to specifically target those was my, my original goal. And it grew beyond that, of course, but that's, uh, it sets you up to be able to live your life as a strong, durable, resilient person, but also gives you that yeah, it absolutely gives you the the base for those other workouts that can help you target your fitness goals. And uh, yeah, really the name of the game in so many ways is just staying injury-free or illness-free or mm-hmm. <laughs> incident-free. That's really a big part of, wait, did we just find the meaning of life? There you are, man. <laughs> just skate, skate free from the, well, I mean, that's a good one. Like meaning of modern life or the, the primary goal of modern life is to skate free from the hazards. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we're, we're talking about um, a dismal average experience and in, in every way, you know, the average is, is pathetic now. Um, they just recalibrated the, uh, the normal range for male testosterone. They just dropped it down. The reason being that obesity is so prevalent globally and obesity, of course, tanks your testosterone levels. And so uh, that as well as the modern environmental hazards like EMF, like chemicals touching your food and your skin, all these things are, are slamming the average male testosterone around the globe. There's research from all over the globe, different countries. And so now in response, now we've just brought the scale down so that your, your hard living grandfather, who was probably off the charts by today's uh, range, you know, now we're able to kind of uh, linger into mediocrity. And I, I don't want to participate in that myself personally. So um, that's what we're talking about here. Actually, that probably leads really nicely into number six, because it does have to do with hormones and, and metabolism and stuff. But number six is a, a, the morning routine as a catalyst for fat reduction. Yeah, that's a that's a wild one. And right now I'm deep into research for a book on losing excess body fat. It seems to be the preeminent goal in the, even in the fitness scene amongst the most fit and uh, particularly for the least fit, you know, we're all concerned with uh, carrying around excess body fat and it's become so um, laden with hype gimmicks, controversy that it's almost, um, I, I don't know if the listener heaved a sigh when they heard <laughs> number six, but, uh, we're going to, yeah. we're going to cut into this nice and, and warmly and gently. I know you have your way less program where you're trying to transcend some of the ridiculous, uh, and, uh, ill-advised uh, strategies that and are out there. Damaging, like yeah, pure, right. straight up damaging. Well, biggest loser, uh, the contestants in that television show, um, six years later, they had extreme metabolic damage and dysfunction uh, traced to however long the, the the course was six weeks or whatever when they're on TV and competing for things. And so the, the lingering effects years later, where almost all of them gain the tremendous amount of weight back that they lost and then some. So yeah, the yeah. damage is a good word for um, the mainstream approach. That's why you got to sign up for way less if you're allowed. <laughs> if there's a spot open, last time I missed it, I heard your call for it. I delayed by, by a week and it was full. Ah, anyway, I think it's about regulating your appetite 
your energy, your mood, your metabolic function, and you're starting the day by, by setting the tone, like we talked about, for an active day. And I think that's going to transfer over into your eating habits. I know it has for me personally. And there's, you know, they talk about um, people who walk regularly have lower body fat levels, but it's not really about the walking because walking only burns 100 calories per whatever half an hour. And so you can easily make that up with an extra handful of macadamia nuts and all those kind of things. Um, that's right. Dr. Ponser was the one who had that uh, reference of one macadamia nut per hour is the difference between uh, an active person and inactive. And so uh, all this uh, calories in, calories out nonsense, which you uh, rightfully help re-educate people, um, uh. it, just just take our word for it if you must. But when you regulate your mood, appetite, and energy levels, um, you have a way of promoting uh, fat reduction if that's one of your desired goals and doing it the right way rather than the extreme uh, you know, ill-advised strategies. Yeah, this seems like it's completely off topic, but one of my favorite studies to bring up is the, and I think you're familiar with this one too. They gave a whole bunch of people who worked in a hotel, cleaning the rooms in a hotel, they gave them activity trackers and just brought their awareness to the fact that they were moving all day long and that they were burning calories and achieving all the, these other things, but really just brought their awareness to the fact that they were moving their bodies a lot more than, than they thought. And without changing anything else, without even talking about diet or other exercise, most of them started losing weight and increasing their muscle mass because they brought this attention and they started doing things like we said earlier, like choosing the uh, salad instead of the French fries, like shunning some, they didn't stop at Starbucks and get the the Frappuccino. They made a, a healthier choice there and mm. they started walking the dog in the evening because they wanted to keep that street going. And I think that is exactly what you're talking about like all the other sort of hormonal shifts aside and anything else that we might be able to dig into through science that whole mindset is so valuable when you start your day off with this movement thing it's a lot like giving the activity trackers to those people who are cleaning the the hotel rooms and just gives us that awareness and and that uh that mindset that really is game changing in so many ways love it so number seven is scalable. And I think we, I did sort of get into this right at the beginning, but it is, uh, I think this is a, a really important factor, especially for, for my audience. I think there's a lot of people out there who are worried about like, am I going to bite off more than I can chew? Am I going to end up injured? Am I going to be able mm -hmm. to sustain this and making, being sure that you're scalable is, is really the key. So how do you, how do you do this? I know you've got different variations and stuff. So, well, I'll let you, you explain how you do this in your program. Yeah, I, I urgent, urgently want you to start with a five-minute commitment because that's going to open the doors for so many people and do not uh, go in with extra ambition and, uh, you know, have, hit, those, hit those dead ends. So if you can start small and celebrate those small successes, that's when you're going to naturally uh, build upon your, um, your habit-forming uh, success and maybe be inclined to increase it. And so in my case, I started, my routine was 12 minutes. It's still on YouTube. So there's an old Brad routine from 2017. And then there's a recent one, uh, again, on YouTube. I mean, I have the course where you can uh, enroll and then you get uh, extreme uh, guidance, uh, hand-holding and a whole bunch of different options. But I, I show you, um, you know, basically what I'm doing um, on YouTube. But 
And when I started, it was super easy because I did it in bed. I wanted to make sure I, I would do it without um, interruption. And so I was doing all this core work in the mattress, sinking into the mattress. And then one day- I remember you throwing your legs around in the-, in the bed. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. I'm going to hold my position here and do scissors. And it's like, when you're going into a mattress, all core work is so much easier. It's ridiculous. I remember hitting the deck the first time going, oh my gosh, my abs are burning. And so um, it, it transitioned from a 12-minute commitment in bed- of very low degree of difficulty to today, it takes a minimum of 40 minutes. And again, that's just my personal example. It's taken five years to get to this point. And now right. that feels uh, ideal and comfortable for me. And it is pretty badass. I often piggyback right into a track workout or a strength training session. And so it really feels like a nice way to package my morning. But every single day, I'll at least do the template uh, that lasts for uh, quite a long time. But I will say this, um, you know, I've progressed up to this point. I'm I'm going to contend that I'll never go beyond what it is now mm. because I, I'm pushing the limits of my capabilities to enjoy this and have this be a natural and flowing part of my life. And there are a certain number of days where um, I'm going to miss it first thing in the morning because I have to go to the airport to get a flight and I'm not arguing for just wake up earlier. You'll get more done. I think that's ridiculous. So I want this to fit in gracefully with what you're doing. Um, but now this is the sweet spot where if I were to get more ambitious and throw in more workouts, I'd be at high risk of bailing on uh, certain days. And that's not what we want to do here. We want to have something that's right in that sweet spot. So that's where the scalable number seven comes in as we're working our way to number 10 people. Thanks for, <clears throat> thanks for hanging in there with us. I'm nodding emphatically here because that's the reason why mine has stayed really around 12 minutes is again, because that I, I wanted it to fit in the time that my coffee was was brewing. And that's exactly what you said. It means that I've lowered the barrier. I haven't set myself up to to bail on it because it is part of the the whole routine that I always, well, always in quotation marks, have time for. And as soon as we start to to push outside of that, I could probably get up to 40 minutes, but that would mean that I'd have to take something something else off my morning. And I have other things that, that I really enjoy. So I keep mm. it to that, to that size. And there's nothing saying that you have to get it all the way to the 40 minute Brad version. It's making sure that you're doing something that's going to set you up for like scaling it to what fits into your life. You want to fit your life into the practice, fit the practice into your life. <laughs> yeah. And what's cool is like, guess what? If you're done with your 10 minutes, it is so easy to flow into a proper workout or whatever it is. You're, you're going for a bike ride anyway, or um, you've decided to uh, head over into your home fitness studio and throw some weight around. Uh, but it's more, it's more difficult to wake up and then head to the barbell and, and load plates on it. Uh, whereas if you complete this, uh, this morning routine, now you've opened the gateway to a formal workout. And so I will, I will finish this thing, jump on my bike and head to the running track on that one day a week that I'm doing track. And it's such a beautiful flow to get you uh, more aligned with your fitness schedule and your your discipline and focus there to, to knock off those workouts that you desire. So I guess this, um, obviously you put these in a really good order because number eight <laughs> is that it's for everyone. And it's uh, obviously part of the being for everyone is the fact that it is scalable. And also that you can choose the exercises that are specific for you for where you are on your personal fitness journey, not mm. on Brad's fitness journey, not on my fitness journey, but your 
fitness journey, but also for your for your bigger goals too. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about how this applies to those with athletic goals and my, my sprint workouts are better with my hamstrings. I'm thinking of my father who had a great life. He made it 97 years. He passed a few years ago and we would get him out every morning to walk the park half a mile. And that's pretty good for a guy who's 95, 96 years old. And then guess what? Um, pretty soon it turned out to be more appropriate that he would go halfway and that was enough. And then pretty soon he would just go to the first bench and sit there a little bit and the others would walk further like his, his younger wife or whatever. And then he transitioned to uh, walking a lap around the backyard and then it was from the bedroom to the kitchen. And it was a beautiful, graceful example of, you know, we would, he would still realize that he needed to, um, you know, cultivate that, that competitive intensity to get up out of bed and walk to the kitchen. As, a, as as an athletic accomplishment, just like the the half mile walk around the park, and you know, in earlier years, he was a champion golfer, and he did all kinds of amazing athletic exploits. And we can all relate to times when we really had it going. And yeah, I played ball for four years, and then I hurt my shoulder. Otherwise, I would have been in the big leagues. You know, all those people. Everybody has a story, and now we're sitting here at ground zero rather than hey man, kick into a five to twelve minute morning routine, and let's recapture some of that. A competitive spirit and that devotion to to fitness and physical culture that might have slipped away because of this all or nothing uh, kind of socialization where you either have a number on your back and your your name on the on the scoreboard or on the internet or you're just uh, at your screen nothing. first thing in the morning. Yeah, no. it really is a problem. They, a lot of people don't know what to do. They come, especially at this time in in their lives, at our point in their lives where the only thing they knew was their sport. Mm. And now they're realizing that was 20, 30 years ago that their sport ended and they still don't know how to get moving again. So this would be a, a really graceful way to, to sort of rekindle that. And that leads nicely into number nine, which is mindset. And we have talked a, a bit about mindset, but, but let's just bring it home with a, with a quick recap of how this can really like start your day with this, with this habit and, and the reminder that you are from my cognitive behavior therapy background here to remind yourself that you are the type of person who looks mm. after your, your well-being, looks after your body, looks after your health and, and fitness, embodying that and becoming that person. Even if you don't feel like that person, reminding yourself that you are, or you're working towards being that person really changes everything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say that this leveraging of that focus and commitment into all other areas of life is super powerful. Um, I don't have a good score in this area. I have a C instead of an A, but it's it's gone from an F to a C. In other words, um, I still get distracted by my email inbox when I'm supposed to be working on a book manuscript. But I have this example of a very focused, disciplined person. I say hello to him every morning for 40 minutes. At least I have that going for me. And then when I'm looking at my credit card statement going, oh, I got a little loose there. What was, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I forgot to look at last month. I better pull up that one as well. You know, when I see these weak spots and these frailties and these patterns repeat in my life where uh, I'm trying to become, you know, someone better than I am today, at least I have that, uh, that leverage point that I can tap into uh, whenever I'm inclined. And of course, um, I'm, I'm poking fun at myself and I, I'm certainly not, um, I'm giving myself a C instead of an A, but I'm setting myself up for success by having something in my life that I can actually count on. And again, first thing in the morning is the time 
where you're going for behavior change. So now number 10, meditation. Right. There's a meditative aspect to this, which is really cool. I'm not a professional meditator. I haven't really bought in uh, very well. It's on my to-do list, like a lot of things. Um, But when you are immersed in the sequencing of this template routine, again, I'm recommending that you do the exact same thing every single day. And of course, you're going to tweak the template over time. So I'll add and subtract exercises as I find a new one, uh, or in my case, adding as I got up to, you know, the current uh, duration. Um, But when you're counting, you know, when I'm counting my 40 hamstring raises and leg kickouts, and then back into the 20 frog legs, and then back into the 20 scissors, all I'm thinking about in my mind is the count. Because if I lose count, and I've tried this in the past, like turning on a podcast Mm. to multitask while I'm doing my morning exercise, and then I'm like, oh, shoot, did I I do the left side already? I can't remember. (laughs) And my penalty for losing count is I have to start over with whatever I'm doing. Mm. And so when you start over a few times, you're like, all right, I'm just going to turn this, this, this podcast on off and then, you know, finish this thing. Um, But it it gets you, like you described, thinking about your technique and kind of locking into what you're doing. And that's, what's wonderful about physical exercise is it kind of demands that. And so it facilitates a somewhat of a meditative experience that the purists might not, um, give me full score there, but I feel like it's a, it's a mindfulness way to start the day for sure. Meditation is so many things to so many different Mm. people. And, and, and I'm talking about like different cultures, different individuals that I think anything that brings about that same feeling, that connectiveness to your own being or to a higher power or whatever your, your goal is, it you can call it meditation it doesn't have to be sitting half lotus in in a quiet mm. room on a on a pillow like walking meditations are a really big thing in a lot of cultures you don't have to be still you don't have to be quiet commander mark divine uh from seal fit the unbeatable mind he always talks about in in terms of what you were saying of losing count when he was learning to to meditate his his master that he was learning from with say like that you needed to to do this box breathing so it was all a breathing based meditation so you breathe in for six heartbeats hold for six heartbeats exhale for six hold for six and so the the master said breathe in hold breathe out hold one breathe in hold breathe out hold two breathe in hold thought one <laughs> so it the punishment was going back to the beginning. So it didn't matter if you got to four or six. The goal was to initially get to to 10 without a thought. Now, I've never been able to do that, but mm. I think making the effort to do that, whether it's counting your scissor kicks or counting your breaths, is still, a, a, that's meditating and that's, a, that's an important goal. Yeah, Dan Millman, the great author of Way of the mm. Peaceful Warrior and many other follow-up books, one of my favorites, um, it, there's a passage in one of them where he says, oh, uh, if you've never meditated, try this. Get your car keys, put them in your hand, throw them up in the air, and catch them. There. Now you've experienced meditation. Because when those keys were in the air, you were completely in the zone and entirely focused on catching the car keys. Hmm. And so that's when you all the, the monkey mind and the chattering thoughts in your brain were quiet for that one brief moment when you reached out to grab the keys. And that's a great example of we can access at any time, even in uh, normal everyday life, but particularly during a, a sequential uh, set of uh, deliberate movements that require technique precision. Yeah. So if you've had meditation on your to-do list for as long as Brad has or longer, then you can count it as part of your, your morning routine now. 
So there we have it. We have the 10, 10 reasons a morning exercise routine will change your life. And, you know, there's a little bit of hyperbole always in, in marketing, but I don't think it is hyperbole here to say that this will change your life because there are some really important aspects here. And especially for someone who hasn't been including any sort of movement in their life at all, but especially in, in their morning and, and getting the, the benefits, all 10 plus that we've talked about here. So I think I'm going to set up, I've got a, a link set up. If anybody is interested in checking out Brad's routine here, you can go to brockarmstrong.com slash bradmorning or bradmorning, but all one word, no hyphens or anything like that, just bradmorning. And that will take you to the page where you can you can find out more about the program. And I believe Brad was going to share top secret a discount code, a, dis- a top secret discount code. Ten percent off. Just put Brad ten when you check out, and um, you are set. I, my my pleasure to extend a discount. Thank you so much for listening. And Brock, what a great what a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, as usual, we did um, go off in some strange directions, but I think everything was pretty uh, pretty important. At least I think we always hit some some pretty important <laughs> topics here. I I love that we've followed a very similar path. Me as a professional ballet dancer, you as a professional triathlete. It's incredible how those disciplines and and this stage in our lives have has led us to a very similar place, but. We're approaching it in in different ways at the same time as a, as really just uh, emulating the same sort of ideals. So, I, I value your friendship and I value your opinion and your input, and I hope the listeners out there will as well. Thank you, Second Win people. And one more time, that's BrockArmstrong.com/slash/BradMorning and use the code Brad10 to get ten percent off. Thanks for listening to Second Wind Fitness.